the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The advice that Paul is giving can be principalized in light of any and all difficulties of the world that will be added to and intensified by being married. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. A few weeks ago, after preaching on marriage and the prohibition of divorce, I came across a fitting article that I want to share with you, fitting because of our topic as well as the times that we live in. The topic was that marriage is good but can be trying and difficult, the times being a global pandemic. The article recounts a situation in a town in the north of the country of Italy. A man got into an argument with his wife and did the smart thing. He decided to cool down by going for a walk. Part of the reason this was newsworthy, because argument or going out for a walk is nothing noteworthy, it was newsworthy because it stems from the fact, like in many other parts of the world, Italy is undergoing a current COVID-related lockdown and curfew, starting at 10 p.m. and ending at 5 a.m. And this man was actually found by the police walking to cool down after this argument with his wife, at 2 in the morning, thus breaking curfew. He was fined 400 euro, which is about $485, and given a hotel room to stay in for the night. The police entered his information in uh, their computer database, and it was confirmed that his wife had actually reported him missing. See, here's the thing. Uh, He was given a hotel room not just because of the lateness of the hour, but because he couldn't go home. I mentioned that this was newsworthy partially because he had broken curfew. But really, the most notable part of this article and this situation was the fact that by the time he was found by police, he had walked over 280 miles over the course of a week. 280 miles to cool down from an argument with his wife. It doesn't really give the details of what the argument was about or what the situation was. I think the funniest line of the article was that the man was found tired but otherwise healthy. No kidding. And so what was the situation? We don't know. But for someone to walk 280 miles to cool down shows that perhaps the argument was really bad. He was very angry. Maybe the wife was particularly nasty. And it shows the difficulties in their marriage to the point that this man walked 280 miles miles for seven days. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about the benefits of singleness. As a backdrop of the challenges that you may face in marriage and will face in marriage, this morning we talk about the benefits of staying unmarried. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 through 28. 
Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. This morning, I want to give you five explanations for Paul's preference for singleness. We have seen already, we will see today, and we will see in a couple weeks that Paul clearly prefers singleness for believers. And this morning, we will go look at five explanations for Paul's preference for singleness. Obviously, there are other preferences that he has that we will see and have seen in other passages, but in these few verses, we will see five. The first explanation for Paul's preference for singleness is the apostolic disclaimer. The apostolic disclaimer. Look again at verse 25. Let me read that again. He says, Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. Paul begins by telling us that he's going to address virgins, which refers to those who are not yet married. There's a lot of debate as to exactly what virgins refers to. Clearly, in a general uh, principle of the word, it refers to those who have never been married. And so, as he addresses later widows, you will see that there's a distinction between virgins and widows. Suffice it to say that he is referring to single men and women who have never been married and are still unmarried. And in the context, we will see that he clearly addresses both men and women. So, although there are those who are not virgins when they get married, much like when we saw that Paul assumes that no believer would marry an unbeliever willingly, so here he assumes that Christians who get married are virgins. This is not necessarily a condemnation on those who are not. And it's not that Paul is naive about the reality of sin and immorality, especially as this is the early church, and most, if not all, of the people he's addressing could not have been raised in Christian homes. Christianity is a new thing. But on a practical level, you could even say that this is the best course of action so as to not imply any allowances for premarital sex nor to have to go down and address a dozen different rabbit trails and scenarios to cover all the circumstances one may find themselves in when they get married. He's just going to stick to one, which is the assumption, the biblical way of singleness and marriage. So, suffice it to say that he, as we will see, is addressing all unmarried people, both male and female even if they have had premarital sex. He goes on to explain that on this particular topic, he has no specific command from Jesus. We've seen him make this type of comment, statement before on this subject. The point is not that what he's saying is wrong or it shouldn't be in Scripture. He's simply saying he can't quote Jesus here because there's no command from Jesus to quote on this particular topic. That being said, he tells us that he's going to give us his opinion, but he clarifies that it is a trustworthy opinion 
in that it was by God's mercy that Paul has been called as an apostle and as one who is a steward of God's mysteries. The idea here in that word trustworthy is not so much in the sense of him being a faithful Christian or even a faithful worker for the Lord as much as it is in the trustworthiness of his judgment and wisdom as someone who has been called as an apostle. As we have seen in the like passages, there will be no command here, but there will be inspired, and that's very important, Spirit, Holy Spirit-inspired advice. And he even clarifies you're not in sin if you don't take this advice. But we have to understand that is, this is not just from Paul the man, this is from the Lord. Now, regardless of whether you take his advice to say stay single or not, you can follow his example in attributing any privilege of service that you have to the mercy of God. He says that I am trustworthy only by the mercy of God, not because I'm so smart, not because I've worked really hard, but because of the Lord's mercy. It is, Paul says, that only by God's mercy can he be who he is. This, of course, goes back not just to his calling as an apostle, but even his calling to salvation. And after that, any subsequent faithfulness to either of those callings is only by the mercy of God. And we would do well to remember, though that is not the point or really the the context of this passage, it is a very important side note that whatever we may do in our Christian life or in any sort of service, whether officially in the church or just one-on-one to other people in the world, we understand that it is a privilege granted us by the mercy of God. And anything we can do to glorify God, anything that we could deem as good biblically, is because of the mercy of God. But to our point, the apostolic disclaimer is that what he is about to say is not a command or a requirement of the unmarried, of single people, but a godly spirit-inspired suggestion. So, The first explanation of Paul's preference for singleness is his own understanding of the wisdom that God has given him, including the wisdom to know that this is not a command. Let's go to number two. The second explanation for Paul's preference for singleness is the ambiguous difficulty. Look at the first phrase, the first half of verse 26. He says, I think then that this is good in view of the present distress. This, that he calls good, refers to being single or to remain single, unmarried. Now we know he has and will give other reasons for staying single in this chapter, but the reason given in verse 26 is in the NAS this present distress or the crisis in the NIV. Paul doesn't specify what this distress or difficulty is, and biblical scholars have not been able to pinpoint anything in particular. In other words, it's ambiguous to us, but wouldn't have been to the Corinthians, obviously, by the way he mentions it, the Corinthians would automatically agree and say, yes, yes, this, this, whatever is going on is very difficult. As far as we can tell, biblically, 
he could be talking about general challenges that the Christian would face living in the present world system or something specific that the Christians and possibly even uniquely the Corinthian Christians at that time are going through. We do know at that time that persecution was fierce. We also know that physical famine was going on. And so these are a couple specifics that some scholars have proposed, but we cannot be dogmatic on them. Needless to say, whether general, just being a Christian, a foreigner in this world, in a world that hates our Lord and thus hates us, or something particular in their lives, there is something difficult going on. Now, talking about the general challenges that a Christian faces, this goes back to the reality of being a foreigner, as I mentioned, an alien, a visitor on earth. Jesus promised his followers in John 16, verse 33, that in the world you have tribulation. Earlier in chapter 15, in the Gospel of John, in verses 18 through 19, he says this, it's the passage I referred to earlier, If the world hates you, he says, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Now, regardless of whatever difficulty they may be facing and whatever difficulty we may be facing, those truths are the foundation of the difficulties we face not just from those who actively hate us because they hate our Lord, but because of the challenges and risks we take in living in a radical way. And when I say radical way, I just mean average, normal Christianity. It is radical. It is radically different than the way the world thinks. Even our definitions of things as simple and commonplace as love and joy and success are radically different. And so there are difficulties in our lives simply because we are adhering to the Scriptures. This is on every level of our lives, every aspect of our lives, whether it's full-time job, full-time staying at home, being a dad, being a child, being a sibling, whatever it may be, being a passenger on BART. All of those things face different challenges because we are not of this world. And as I mentioned last week, and we'll elaborate upon next week, the whole state of affairs in the world for God's people between the first birth and second future coming of Christ, things will get progressively worse for us. That is a promise in Scripture. This is a promise from our Lord Himself, as sure as heaven, as sure as salvation. It is a promise. The world degenerates morally and physically, but we see the degeneration morally more visibly in our world these days. And, of course, then, we feel the pressures against us as Christians in this world because we don't just stay a few steps more moral than the world as they go downhill. We stay firm because the Bible does not change as they get further and further from what we believe and how we behave. I mention all of this despite not knowing what the distress is that Paul is specifically referring to because I don't want you to think that just because 
we don't know, and thus you probably aren't going through the specific issue that the Corinthians may have been going through, that you can just chuck this passage out of the Bible and just ignore it and say, well, see, marriage is for me because I'm not going through Roman persecution or whatever it may be. The reality is, and we will see this uh, in all that he says about singleness, not just in our passage this morning, but in a couple weeks, that all difficulties that we have in this world, which are increased because of marriage, even godly biblical marriage, it is better to stay single and you have difficulties. You could say that your present distress is being locked up at home and having to work at home while teaching your kids from home. There is always something difficult that highlights our need for Christ and, as we'll see again in the bigger context, extra challenges that you would have if you are married. For those of you who are single and are working from home in a quiet apartment all by yourself or with another roommate who is working from home, you don't have the challenges of distance learning. You don't have the challenges of children interrupting you. You don't have those types of difficulties. You don't even have the challenges of making sure that your children have snacks and meals so that they can last through the school day of distance learning. You don't have a husband or a wife to have to look after and make sure they're happy as well. And so regardless of what history may tell us or may not tell us, there are challenges with marriage and Christianity in general. And so Paul says it's better to stay single. In other words, the advice that Paul is giving can be principalized in light of any and all difficulties of the world that will be added to and intensified by being married. And so our second explanation for Paul's preference for singleness is the difficulties of Christianity in this world. Let's look at a third. And here we get to the actual meat of Paul's instruction, and that is the authoritative directive. Look at the end of verse 26 and through 27. I'll read all of 26 to get the context again. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress, What that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. But are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. What Paul is basically saying is stay as you are. Again, the preference, of course, is that a single man stay single. Thankfully, he clarifies that if you are married, you are to stay in and commit to that marriage. Do not seek to be released. In other words, whether your marriage is going well or it's full of challenges, whether you're married to a believer or unbeliever, nothing he says here, in other words, his preference for singleness, is telling you that now you should get a divorce because of this. That's not what he's saying. Of course, he also reiterates in verse 27 that if you are unmarried as a man, you should not seek a wife and vice versa. Remember, this is advice. It is not a command. Although the part about not seeking to get out of your marriage is something we know is commanded in Scripture. And the point he is making here with that statement, however, is not 
in the context of marital strife and seeking divorce anyway. Rather, it's in the context of clarifying that you are not to pursue Paul's preference of singleness if you are already married. Okay? In his preference as the backdrop, you've missed the boat. Okay? You can't do this. You're not allowed to do what I'm suggesting here. In light of that, I should explain that that phrase, released from a wife, can refer to any current state of singleness, whether you have been married before or not. In other words, released or free in the ESV simply is a contrast in his writing to bound, the word bound to a wife. In the NIV, it simply says married and unmarried. And this would be a good time to remind you that Paul in the Scriptures holds marriage very highly. In fact, in Ephesians 5, by likening the marriage relationship to the relationship between Christ and the church, he provides the noblest view of marriage. And so don't think that he has a problem with marriage. Don't think that he is somehow uh, trivializing marriage or saying that you can't glorify God in marriage. He holds marriage very highly, obviously, especially, or perhaps even only within the church. The advice he gives here in 1 Corinthians 7 is a practical but powerful piece of advice. He says, understand and cherish your singleness as being a blessing from God because it has many advantages. And I do want to make a side note here that I probably should have mentioned earlier. This is not a time for those of us who are married to ignore or tune out because you very well may be though perhaps for just a short time, unmarried, though you are married now, when you become a widow or a widower. And you definitely, within our wonderfully diverse church that the Lord has blessed us with, interactions with single people. And so if Paul is calling them to cherish their singleness as a blessing from God because of its advantages, we must too, as married people, help them understand even or especially those who find it challenging to be unmarried because they want to be married, to cherish their singleness if even for a time, to see it not as an opportunity to just seek dating, seek marriage, to be discontent, to think that their ministry is somehow hindered, but to encourage them to make the best use of their time. And of course, if you are single, this applies directly to you as you play this out, whether for the rest of your life or for the time that you are unmarried. Next week, we will address the danger of worldliness. And one of the examples that Paul gives of being too worldly is actually marriage. Because there is no marriage in eternity, so it is a thing of this temporary world. As wonderful and beautiful and potentially God-honoring as it is, marriage is of this world. It is passing away with the world. This romantic notion people have of romantically reuniting with their spouse who passed earlier than them in heaven, they will reunite as brother and sister in Christ, as fellow worshipers of the Lord at His throne, not as husband and wife. And the reason I bring this up is because if you are single and you are preoccupied with your singleness, 
to the degree that you are either consumed with trying to get married or on the other end of the spectrum, taking every worldly advantage, worldly advantage of your singleness by focusing only on yourself, then you have taken the subject of marriage, which includes singleness, to an idolatrous and sinful level. And so if all you're doing is trying to get married, that too, frankly, is taking every worldly advantage to be selfish. We need to be careful and have the right view of singleness. Use your time wisely, not just looking for a spouse, not just feeding your flesh. And oftentimes, we we don't recognize this as singles because the lessons and the norm, the status quo regarding singleness come more from the world than the church because marriage is the norm in the church. You're a student, you're a youth, you're a college student, and then there's married people. Go to any church that has a singles ministry. It is a very small group. The norm is marriage. And so when you're single, because you don't have a lot of examples in the church, there's not a norm or a status quo, there is rarely even any instruction for it, you default to doing what the world says. And what the world says to do when you're single is travel, purchase, binge watch. You have time. You have the money. So enjoy it. And they almost feed you with this animosity towards the world that that is married and and feeds you and says, just be bitter towards marriage and say, forget them. I'm just going to enjoy my singleness. Travel the world. Use my money every dime, every cent. I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. I'm going to use the money on myself. And that's what the world says. Buy more stuff. Watch the whole season of your favorite show. You got nothing else to do. You don't have work on weekends or in the evenings. You have no responsibilities. Enjoy it while you can. That's what the world says. What a waste. What a loss. What sin. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.